I want to mention too, we, uh, I know Jeff said last week we had, we had hit the goal, and now we're even further beyond the goal for the monies raised for Uganda. And uh, I've got a great appreciation for anyone who's been a travel agent and anyone who's had to deal with a travel agent. And what I mean is, uh, it was about 27 plane tickets we had to get from what now is New Jersey to Uganda and get us back home from Uganda up to New York and then we'll, we'll do the local, we haven't done the local flights yet. But that was about a four hour process. We started at three o'clock and we got done a few minutes before seven and I thought, I, and, and it was awesome. We prayed before um, Dwayne Batten, and I know you've not seen him, but he's the man that's kind of the one, the lead person out of Princeton Baptist Church in North Carolina. Y'all can be turning to John, uh, John chapter 9, by the way, while I'm talking. But so he, he's very astute on this, and we, we, we prayed beforehand, and come to find out the guy that was on the, on the line um, was from the Middle East, but his words to us was, Jesus is my Savior, I've been born again. And how the likelihood, right, of the person we just happened to get. Um, the first two people didn't want to deal with us from the uh, plane, from the uh, airline. And the person we happened to get was a believer. And uh, he kept saying over and over, this is my joy. This is my privilege to be able to do this. It was really a cool experience. And, uh, but I do thank you so much. I'm going to thank one other group, too, before I get rolling here. I don't know if you all have seen, but numbers are up, right? Maybe your, maybe your section, your numbers seem to be up around you, okay? Children's numbers are up. We are, it's, some of the, it's the largest numbers we've had since I've been here, okay? So therefore, we needed more volunteers. And we always need volunteers, by the way. There's not a time or season where we don't. But uh, we actually have picked up a lot of parent volunteers. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you for stepping up. We've even had others just say, look, I want to do it, which is phenomenal. But I really appreciate that. We, uh, with the growth, we need more humans because we've got now tiny humans, and they need to be watched by adult humans. So, uh, yeah, really good. Okay, so if you see John ch chapter 9, there are 41 verses in this chapter. You don't have to worry. We're just going to read them all, but we're not going to do verse by verse, okay? And uh, I, I promise I won't be long. This will go rather quickly, but I, I think... I love stories. Maybe you're a story person. I love to hear stories. I just, I do. I could sit and listen to somebody tell a story about anything, really. I do. I love stories. Well, this is a story that we need to get all the pieces to the puzzle. And uh, it's kind of like when you watch a show where they show you what happens at the end, but then they come back and show you how they got there. That's what we're going to do. So John chapter 9, uh, verse 1, and we're going to read the chapter. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said, having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. 
The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Let me just tell you, you're going to see this story said several times as he has to tell everybody, okay? Uh, Verse 11, so I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes. I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who was a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And asked him, is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ... He to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, the, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though, I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to them. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe and the Son of Man? He answered, and who, is, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the disciples near him heard these things and said to him, 
Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you are blind, you have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. <sighs> Take a break. It's okay. John chapter 9 today, if you give you an example, give you an idea of kind of where we are in the book, okay? Jesus is ministry among those who believe he's advancing toward the cross so for the next really three chapters of john to almost chapter to the end of chapter 11 he's getting closer and closer to the cross number one today not all suffering is the direct result of personal sin not all suffering is the direct result of personal sin go back to the top of the chapter there in the first three verses as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. It was very common for, the, for Jewish people to believe that babies born with a, an issue, a defect, uh, born with, like in this person was blind, that there must have done some kind of sin inside the womb so that when they were born blind, they'd have, when they were born with the infirmity, they were being judged by God. Immediately, Jesus says, that's not the case. That's absolutely not the case. And I want to tell you personally, verse 3 has meant just the world to me recently. Um, you know, we go through things in life that we didn't ask for, Right? Um, or you have things in your family that you don't even know how to do or address issues, problems, things you didn't plan. Uh, my life has changed a lot in the last year. A lot of it has been good, but there have been some things that have been kind of difficult to go through. And I'll admit, this verse, if you've got an email from me, this is my verse in my email. It's, I want to constantly read it over and over and over again because we can search ourselves and say, Lord, please look at me and tell me if there's sin. But sometimes we go through things that has nothing to do with that we've sinned. It's just a general sin condition. And Jesus immediately says to these Jews, hey, first of all, when people are born with issues, I'm out. I'm back. Okay. Just wave at me because I won't pay attention. I won't see. Jesus immediately says, though, you think he was born because of sin. And yes, the sin condition ultimately caused blindness. We're in a season right now in our church where we've had several funerals. And every time you go through a funeral experience, it's another reminder that this is the ultimate judgment of sin, death. In this particular case, though, it was not that the man, sinned from, the man didn't see anymore due to sin. It was so that Jesus could bring glory to the Father. We should never rush to the conclusion that every affliction is directly a result of God's judgment on sin. And let me just say, this is an opportunity when the church needs to be the church. When others around us are going through something, we need to be the church. We need to lift, lift those people up and not come to the, oh my, what did they do? No, oh my, what is God doing? What is God allowing? It also reminds us that Jesus came for those who were broken, weak, lost. I, th I think about my youngest son. 
Um, he's been a, he was adopted. He's over there in that wing, so I'll talk a little bit about that. But when he was born, unbeknownst to anything he did, his mother taken illegal substances, and they have changed some things on his brain and some other things. And my man is a wide-open seven-year-old, wide open. You know, he runs from building to building. And if you, if you are that person that says, I wish kids wouldn't run in church, yeah, we grew up that way too. But at least if he runs in church, he's having a good time in church, and Lord willing, he'll want to stay in church, okay? But there have been things that have happened, right? I issues that have happened with him. And I'll tell you, it has made me believe more and more, without Jesus involved in this, I can't parent this kid. Hey, by the way, it's that way for all our kids. It's not just ones who maybe have issues. Sometimes God displays his power by delivering us from trials. But God also may empower Christians to endure trials. Jesus himself is a great example of this. He did nothing to earn the cross whatsoever or the beating that would take place to get to the cross. Yet, if he doesn't endure the cross, then we don't have a path to heaven. Number two, Jesus was on a mission. Jesus was on a mission. Verses 4 to 7 of chapter 9. We must work the works. This is Jesus talking. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, Jesus could have spoke the word to this person, right? Jesus could have touched him. But this is interesting of what he used to actually heal this person. First of all, he spit and made mud. It was glorified mud, but it was still mud, right? Which is kind of gross. And then he put it on his eyes. And then, now think about it, he's blind, right? So he had to have someone, okay, to help lift him up and get him to the pool of Siloam. Whether it was other beggars or people in the community, maybe neighbors who we're going to talk about in a little bit, in just a few moments. But someone had to get him there, right? So there was some element of faith to the healing. Jesus uses many ways to, he uh, to heal. And in this healing, the man had to believe and obey in order for the healing to be carried out. Why he did that, we don't necessarily know, but it was interesting how in this particular healing, it took multiple people for it to fully come to fruition and come to play. You know what? You, as the church, can be part of someone's healing. Look, I had somebody this morning tell me, I've just been praying for you. The Lord's asked me to pray for you. And that, that, that's healing. That's what that is. And then several of, of those are asking, we've got some in the hospital right now. And several come to, hey, uh, so where are we at in this? And what's, I've been praying about this, and, and, and are they going to be okay and all that? That just shows, that's the church being the church. Jesus was the source of the healing, even when he required the man to be washed. Now, number three, we're going to camp out here a little bit. If you're on your paper and you think, man, he is flying today. We have been, but we're going to get to number three and kind of camp out. All right. An unbelieving audience, number three, 
an unbelieving audience, and fearful parents. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, I'm in, I'm in verse 8 of chapter 9, is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. They wouldn't believe that he could possibly be healed of blindness. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who was a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Let's go through this just a little bit. So there's neighbors here that's seen this happen. People that knew him to be blind, right? What happens? They see him. That can't be right. So then he tells the story again. This is what the man did. At this point, at this point through this whole section, Jesus is not his savior. He's just the man who healed him, right? Even he is trying to discover, discover what being a disciple is. Of course, he's not, not saved or anything yet at this point. He gives the story again and says, Hey, I, Jesus used mud, anointed my eyes, and said to him, Go to Siloam. There comes a time when we just choose not to believe like these people right here. And I wonder, I wonder when we get to heaven... Are we going to see the things maybe that could have been? Because, or if we just prayed for them? And I'm, I'm one that believes God is absolutely sovereign and that everything that's going to happen is going to happen and he's going to get glory from it. But how many times have we really put prayer above gossip, prayer above social media, and really said to ourselves, we need God's hand in this? You know, I think of that, the mission trip that we're going to go on with like, I think there's like 28 or 9 of us. We can do all the preparation, have every T dotted, crossed, and every I dotted. Unless God is with us, we are wasting a lot of time and wasting funds. There are people that have given, and they'll get, they'll get a blessing, right? It'll go on their account, fruit on their account. But if we're not right before we get on a plane, long before we get on a plane, it's not going to matter. It's not, none of it's going to matter. It's just going to be a trip. And let me say this too, for those of you that are going on this trip, this is not the type of mission trip where it's more like an event or a, uh, uh, really a, a, uh, a vacation. No, 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 no. We do, we, we, we get to work and we work until we leave. But if we're not all prepared spiritually, that work's going to be in vain. And here these neighbors, these Pharisees are trying to find a problem. Oh, this can't be right. This cannot be right. And he says it over and over and over again. This audience was absolutely unbelieving. I pray the people that are in this building are believing. We can't take for granted that everyone in this building is a Christian. But for those of you that are, do you really believe that God can do the miraculous in your life? 
Do you really believe that God can do great things through you? This man, and I thought about the other side of this for a minute. So this guy's born. As a child, he's blind. As an adult, because we'll find out in a little bit, he was definitely of age, was blind. All these years had become a beggar for his job, right? That's how he survived himself. He survived, he was a beggar. Think about the pitifulness of his life. But that was all done, and all those years were put in so that God would get some unbelievable glory. Jesus would bring glory to his name. Now, what are you currently going through that is causing you to doubt? What are you currently suffering with? Suffering is real, and suffering absolutely happens in this era, even in a very rich country that we live in. There is still suffering that takes place. What kind of suffering are you going through that causes you not to believe, that causes you to question? This man kept saying the same sentences, the same story over and over and over again. And he doesn't recognize Jesus as God because at the end of that, he says, he is a prophet. If the neighbors and Pharisees admitted that the man was healed, then the religious leaders would have to admit that Jesus was God. Pharisees knew, Pharisees knew all about what was about to happen. And also, if this man is a sinner... He wouldn't be able to do these things, right? They understand that miracles were of divine manifestations. Now, I was talking to my friend Larry Wilson a couple days ago, and we were talking about this passage. And he brought up that, wait a minute, this was a fulfillment of prophecy. He said it was in Isaiah, and it is in Isaiah. Isaiah 35, 5 says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. By the way, if those words seem familiar, it's the words from where the song Mary Did You Know came about. And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. It, this healing is a direct fulfillment of that prophecy. The blind man seems to have had a good grasp on the significance of miracles that designate true agents of revelation but he only, he only recognizes it to a point. He hasn't said that Jesus is God at this point. He recognizes, well, Jesus, well, he, he's a prophet, not understanding who he was talking to. Look down at verse, uh, we'll start in verse 19, and we'll do the 23 this time. And ask them, is this your son? They're talking to the parents now. And ask them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. This guy had more faith than his parents. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age ask him how much how many times have we been afraid to do something for the Lord based on those people that are around us based on even people in the church that we were fearful these parents were scared to death they were going to be kicked out of the synagogue if they admitted that Jesus did what Jesus did they were they were legitimately had great fear the response by the Pharisees showed that they were fearful of the Pharisees the response by the parents showed that they were fearful of the Pharisees. 
They knew that their son was born blind, lived blind, and was an adult beggar because he was blind. Yet only they would say he was blind and can see, not giving any credence to that Jesus did, not giving any credit that Jesus did it because out of fear. That's one thought of how many, how many things we don't do in, in ministry because we're all in ministry. Listen, some of you teachers, your ministry Monday through Friday is massive, massive for the things that you have to deal with, things you put up with. And it would be easy. It would be very easy just to keep quiet, very easy not to love on people. Um, our teacher last year, when I walked in, she just had the presence of her Bible just sitting there. And what I thought, man, what a testimony. Here we are, and it was a good public school, great people and all that. But this lady is very clear about where, where her faith stands. We all, we all have opportunities outside this building. Nurses right now, uh, they said that COVID is coming back and other things that y'all are having to deal with. Every day there's an opportunity for to show or to live out our faith in front of someone. Don't get to the place where we're scared and afraid to speak out or to speak up. These parents had a great opportunity, but it shows they didn't even understand who actually was doing the healing. There will always be those who fear man and those who will discredit the works of God. There will always be those people. John 9, 24 and 25, okay? So for the second time, they called the man who had, been, who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Okay. So we're, we've, we've taken great effort here at Graceview. I mean, based on what we have this Saturday, learning more about the exchange. We've got 120 people coming to that. But let me encourage you that when you tell your gospel story, that you don't leave out the gospel. At this point of where we are in the passage, he has a testimony of great miracle that's taken place in his life. But what he does not have is a gospel testimony. He can say this man did a great healing. Whoa! I, can, I mean, can you imagine that? I tell you, the closest I have to that healing in my own life was the first time I put on hearing aids. I waited about 35 years, a little more than that, actually, 38 years or so to get, to get hearing aids. And I did not realize how loud I had to hear in order to hear. Um, people in the office would tell me, oh, yes, we're about to scream at you for you to hear anything. But I didn't realize it because I literally was deaf in one ear and the other ear very close to being deaf. But when I put those hearing aids on, I began to hear things I didn't know existed. I didn't know those sounds existed. So we can see in this person who was completely blind was a beggar on top of being blind because he, he couldn't have an income. His income was people's generosity. His eyes being, the fact he can see was a massive life-changing deal. But it wasn't everything. We need to remember when we share our testimony that we do not leave out the gospel. Now 32 and 34 of chapter 9. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone who opened the eyes of a man born blind, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Pharisees had heard enough. 
Pharisees had heard enough. They threw him out of the, of the synagogue. Thankfully, Jesus wasn't done with this, with, with this situation. Number four, more than a physical healing, this man needed a spiritual healing. More than a physical healing, this man needed a spiritual healing. So we're going to pick up in verse 35 and read to 38. Jesus had heard that they cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is helping you. He said, Lord, I believe. Now, much different than him being a prophet at this point. He's now recognizing Jesus as Jehovah. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And now the healing that takes place is a spiritual healing. The gospel then is preeminent now in this story of the blind man. That that was the main reason Jesus passed by and talked to this man. Much bigger than he can see. John 20, 30, and 31. I don't know if you got, do you have a screen for that? Oh, beautiful. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, Jesus would do all kinds of miracles. We had a whole study of Matthew. You can go back to the website and look at it, and you'll see the whole life of Jesus and all the things that Jesus did. But none of it matters unless the gospel is still the main thing. And John here is saying in, the, in the, these just couple verses that all of this work that was done, everything that was done, was so that we would be belief amongst people, just like this blind man who now believes. This is where he goes from physical healing, where he can see, to now spiritual healing as he becomes a follower of Christ. John 9, 39 to 41 Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not, do not see may see. And those, oh, excuse me, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the disciples heard him, heard these things, and said to him, Are, are we also blind? I love how Jesus doesn't say yes. He's going to make him think. Jesus said, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see your guilt remains. Note here is, until the return of Christ, we are in the age of redemption where the gospel redeems the sinner. Now the Pharisees and the man who now sees see Jesus, but see him in a completely different ways. They thought they were being called out by a man who was not from Moses in their eyes. And that he didn't, he, there's no way, even though there was division among them, I would have liked to heard, I would still, I wonder about different things. I would wonder to hear those people who said, wait a minute, since he did heal the blind, then maybe he is, but you don't see that. You don't ever see that said in this passage. The Pharisees look at Jesus hear from Jesus. Think about this, the God of the universe. They heard from him, spoke to him, but could not believe. They were blind. So now we have four applications for today. 
Number one, some suffering is not because of sin. When we are going through a trial, we should examine ourselves spiritually and ask God, is there sin? Listen, if there is sin, do 1 John 1, 9, right? That if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. So not saying it is possible that with suffering, it's very possible that there is sin involved. And ultimately, there is this umbrella of sin that causes all suffering. However, if we are right with the Lord, there is purpose to our suffering. A few weeks ago, we had this uh, lady come from Connie Maxwell Children's Home. And she did a whole thing on trauma. Did a, it's been a whole, it's about an hour and a half with us explaining like trauma. It's been kids that are born in um, adverse situations. Uh, kids that get neglected by their families. And, and the difference that makes for them, even in how they learn. Um, I have a picture. I didn't give it to this. But there's a graph that she showed that shows the typical, how the typical learning child learns. And they showed a child that had been born in a traumatic experience or has suffered or been through trauma, how differently they even learn. That their mind, the chemicals in their brain are changed and there's nothing you can do. By the way, I'm not saying that that should be their crutch in life at all. But it also does change how we respond and how we deal with those things. And also those people who have to care for them, there's a different level of learning. Because I'm going to tell you when, you, when you take a parenting class or you um, maybe in school or even in a church and you, and you learn how to parent better. We, we do it. We, uh, they did. See, Mike did a whole thing on parenting on Wednesday nights. Boy, it's hard to take that template and put it on a child who's suffered trauma. And you say, wait a minute. What did that child do? Born. That's what they did. They were born. They didn't do anything. And so let me say, too, the church has to learn that as well. We, gotta, we, gotta, we need to learn that not every person learns the same way, has the same response, has the same attitude, and doesn't mean they're any less valuable. And it may not mean that they're just being bad to be bad. It may be there's a situation that God is allowing some level of suffering to teach, teach the family and that individual. Number two, if we have difficulty explaining why we're going through trials don't be surprised if others do not understand. If we can't explain it, we don't need to get upset when somebody else can't explain it either. We don't need to have an attitude toward the church if they don't even recognize it necessarily. Now, we ought to have our eyes open when it comes to, when it comes to the family. And what I mean is that we need to be aware of what we can be aware of. But if we don't understand a trial, there's the frustration, the, the, the attitude that we could bring along with that is not going to help. And we can't necessarily expect the church to understand or even maybe even some of our close family. And I'm talking about church family in this. Number three, and this is my favorite. I should have put it as number four. This is my favorite. When someone is going through trials, instead of taking a pharisaical approach of blaming them, we should encourage, we should pray, and that last one is the big one, and we should listen to them. When we're going through something, isn't it just to have nice to have, they can't, the person you're talking to, they can't fix it, right? That family member, right? We talk about Grace View family. 
that, that family member, they may not can't fix that scenario, but boy, them listening means a whole lot. Them listening, th- that's healing. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're, we, we don't need to be the crowd that starts texting everybody we know, can you believe this happened? Did you see this? No, we need to be, can we hear you? Can we listen to you? Can we build you up? Can we pray with you? Can we lift you up? That, that, that's the church being the church. Finally, number four. Ultimately, God uses normal, everyday, and extraordinary things to bring glory to himself. If you're the person who says, what am I doing? I, I'm not doing anything. I don't, have any, I, I don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything. No, God's still doing a work. God's still absolutely doing a work. And it is ultimately, he's going to use all this to bring glory to himself. Now, I'm going to pray, but I don't want you to leave right after I pray. We're going, this is what we need. I'll just, do, I'll just tell you now. Um, we need some big, barreling, strong men, okay, to help us. We're going to pray in just a moment. But with that, if y'all can come to the front, we'll get, we'll get the people that know what we're doing as far as the chairs. We need to get some chairs moved because I don't know if y'all have heard, but we got in a big event coming Saturday. I don't know if we, have we told y'all? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, that comes Saturday. And so we want to break things down and get it, begin the process of getting it prepared. Okay? Hey, thanks for your attention today. I really appreciate that. Good spirit. The, the worship today was awesome. Good blend. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we are grateful that out of the trials and trivial things in our life, you bring glory to yourself in those things. So, Lord, I pray this week, as we go about our week, that we'll listen to others. Lord, there may be a trial they're going through, and we can encourage just by listening. Lord, I pray we lift up and pray, because, Lord, as, as verse 3 says, you did all this, all this to bring glory to yourself that your power will be manifest. And Lord, I pray that it would be, our, that the power that you gave then is the same now. And I pray that, that the world would see your power on us as we're about our week. We thank you and praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So man, just come up here if you will, and then we'll get everything put up.